Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost the end of February, which means we get a lot, a lot of baseball next month. Spring training is starting up this week. I am quite excited, and we're going to talk about some breakout candidates for this year. We've hinted at a rookie draft. We did talk about a couple of guys that we would have drafted if they were still rookies. We've got some second-year veterans here, and we've got some actual veterans here. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I'm ready. I have... I, I'm not sure about this episode. I feel like this might have some hot takes in it. it. Might just be on the same page, but I'm hoping we have some different opinions. Stevs, how are we doing? I'm excited about this. Uh, I think I think I'm I'm a little all over the place on this episode, but I I'm excited. I like the players I picked, and I think they're all gonna have somewhat decent seasons if they can tweak one or two things to their game. So we're we have one or two breakout players for each position, and we're gonna go position by position. Do you guys want to kick it off behind the dish? I'm down. Um, All right, Steve. Go uh, ahead, Steve. I am, I am pulling up my things while we do that. Um, okay, so I had talked about a couple guys. Um, I was told I was not allowed to do any Washington Nationals, so I will not talk about K-Bert Ruiz. Hopefully one of you will. Um, but I went over and I went to Shea Lane Galeers. Um, I wasn't sure if he's – is he technically – he's technically not a rookie, right? I think he, only he played still him. like qualifies as a rookie, but he's been. In he the only show. played. He played in forty games last year, so I'm gonna count him. Um, to our thing, he batted two eighteen last year, um, to in a ninety seven WRC plus. I think um his for for what I could see, um his percentiles are okay. Um, he just needs I think more time and more plate appearances in the league, and I think now with Sean Murphy not clogging up the catcher position, I think he will definitely get that opportunity. He only played 17 games behind the dish last year. The rest of them were 20. The other 24, he played DH. Uh, I like the pick. He's a touted prospect. He got sent over in the Matt Olson deal. Um, I was looking at a spray chart on baseball reference. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven doubles, literally on the left field foul line. And he has two doubles to the rest of the field. All, almost all of his homers are pull. Almost all of his singles are pull. He just needs to find an ounce of center field or right field. Yeah. Um. So for my catcher, I don't. I don't think this is necessarily a hot take. It's it's Tyler Stevenson. Obviously dealing with some injury. I've talked about him in my top ten catchers. I think he is a top ten catcher in baseball when he's healthy. Uh, obviously came up in his rookie season and was not swinging and missing that often. Walked above average. Um. Kind of an on base guy with. What we really look at is his defense, which is spectacular for catching position. So I, I think that, especially considering the offensive breakout we started to see last season before he got injured, I, I feel like this guy is a no-doubter for a breakout if we get a full season from him. Well, that's fair. I, I liked him a lot. I think What was he, like a heavy rookie? He kind of – well, he only played six games in his first in 2020. So, I mean, but he, he is an older rookie. Mm. I think he's 26 now, so I came up at 23. Three. That's not that bad. Yeah, he's, he's he was pretty young. Yeah. So I this guy wasn't inherently a breakout. It's William Contreras. Uh, I'm not talking about an offensive breakout. Though. I'm talking about a defensive breakout from him. Obviously, we've seen the hit tools there. Like he graded out really well offensively last year. He posted an 860 OPS, which is really impressive from a rookie. Uh, and his WOBA regular was in the top six percent of the league, which is really respectable. Uh, the comp I have here is Omar Narvaez. Omar Narvaez was a below-average catcher with the Mariners for a majority of his career. Uh, he came over to the Brewers in 2020, and you look at his strike rate percentages on StatCats for catcher framing, and it jumped up nearly 7%, and he actually became an elite 
framing catcher, and he's continued that way throughout his entire time in Milwaukee. And I think William Contreras is going to see that. Uh, obviously, the arm strength isn't the we're not going to call it the best of his traits, but it's not horrible. And I feel like Milwaukee would be the perfect organization to help him develop with that defensive breakout. I, I definitely right. agreed. I, I was debating going that route, but um, I don't, I didn't think he fit in the criteria that we had. I'm not saying offensive breakout. He's already broken down offensively. I'm looking more defensive. Um, Brad, I know you're hyped up about this one. And I honestly have just had a change of heart. I'm not going to pick your guy. So you go ahead and bring us in. Well, at number at number first base, number first base, um, we have Vinny Pasquantino, and uh, I love Vinny P. The Pasquash, the Italian nightmare, the Italian's little hot boy. He can, the dude can rake. It's as simple as it gets. The dude rakes. He came up in the show last year and had the number ten expo in all of baseball. He's actually an above average fielder, one out of above average fielder. He walked more than he struck out, but it only amounted to one point five F four, which is kind of confusing if you're asking me, but. You know what? He's going to get a full season of play. He's going to get to hit every pitcher in the league that he faces, and he's going to do it well. Vinny Pasquantino dominated through the minor leagues, and he showed it didn't stop at the major leagues, and it's going to keep continuing, especially in 2023. I like that. Stez, are you on the same page? I have a guy that I want to talk about. I mean, I I am. I agree with that, but I'm going to I'm gonna talk about a different guy, Um, and it's a guy that honestly was atrocious last year, and we all kind of expected more. It's Spencer Torkelson. Um, he played terribly. There's not much more to say about that. But again, he's young, right? Um, he has the time to develop. He, I think he just needs to take the game at his own pace. Um, and I think this season, especially with the them the Detroit shortening the fences, I think that'll definitely help him. And I think he's going to tweak a, little, a couple of things within his swing, and it'll really help him both offensively and defensively. I'm surprised. I mean, this guy. I'm. I'm hoping it made your honorable mentions. His name is uh, Ryan Mountcastle. He's that was my other he, one. He is. He is very good. I mean, and, and these under the radar and under the hood stats are uh, like astounding to me. I mean, top seven percent expected woba, um, top four percent expected slugging. Uh, he had a two seventy seven expected batting average to a two fifty actual average. So we're seeing a lot of uh, positive regression incoming with him. He's a guy who just a season ago hit thirty three home runs. I mean, in a down season, hitting twenty two home runs. With a 728 OPS, that's a down season from him. But it seems like in this down season, all of his under the hood stats have increased significantly. I mean, we look at his 2021 percentile rankings. He didn't walk, didn't strike out. He struck out a ton. That got us slightly better. His hit tool got way better though. He hits the ball harder. He's barreling the ball more frequently, and he's hitting the ball. He's hitting it much harder than he was ever before. So I, I think Ryan Mattcastle is just getting better and better. And I think he's overshadowed in this Orioles lineup. And I think he'll thrive. I was – here's my other guy. He would have been my honorable mention. Um, he had a 362 ex-WOBA, which was 46 points higher than his regular. That's a that's a, yeah. that's a pretty big difference, if you're asking me. And uh, Stan's talking on Torkelson. We had a discussion earlier in the year. I think it was the 10 guys you should know more about episode where we brought up that, like, rookies who have a high average hit rate normally tend to succeed more. I think Torkelson was like in the 76th, 77th percentile for average exit velocity, which kind of shows that he actually can hit the ball hard. It's just a matter of doing it more consistently and with pitches yeah. that he needs to do it with. Yeah, for sure. I, I think our second base might be a little interesting. Um, Brad, you want to bring us in on that one? Uh, I had Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he started to get some playing time in 2022. Uh, it's kind of been shaky 
um like his playing time it was here it was there it was everywhere sometimes uh he played one two three four five six six positions and three of them he did not play well three of them he did play well um and second base he was a negative one outs above average but he didn't have any position positional consistency i think in 2022 when he does get the opportunity or 2023 excuse me to play second base every day that's really going to benefit his defense there um and he's got a really good like plate discipline approach in terms of walk striking out whiffing chase rates uh but the average exit velocities and hitting the ball hard it didn't it didn't seem that great but actually the x will kind of backed it up uh that's just it probably is because of his walks and his strikeouts but you know what things can support other things and Brendan Donovan seems like a good breakout candidate. I, w- I went a similar route in the sense that it's another Brendan. Um, it's Brendan Rogers, um, former number three overall pick in the draft. Uh, we're finally starting to see some flashes of offense. Obviously, the defense has always been there. Won the gold glove last season. But we're starting to see some offense coming from Brendan Rogers. Still about a league average bat at best right now. Um, but I see him getting better. Obviously, the splits towards the end of the season were a little bit better. I think we have we are uh, we're due here. We're due for a Brendan Rogers breakout in Colorado. Uh I had both the Brendans uh written down <laughs> as well. So, uh I I le- I, le- I leaned towards Brendan Donovan though. Um m- primarily because that offense did get a lot better um and I think that can really only help him and his offensive production. Um I I definitely think I I don't dislike Brendan Rodgers either, but I think again he's just he's in Colorado and that's kind of a terrible place to play outside of the ballpark. Um, but I, I, I like, I like, I like what Brendan Donovan brings to the table. He had a 281 average last year in 126 games. And like Brad said, he played six or seven different positions and he only played 38 games at second base. If he can stay consistently at second base, then he'll, it'll definitely help him out overall. Um, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's, let's head over to shortstop now. So I have a guy, I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but I went with Jorge Mateo because he is very, very good defensively. He is, hold on, let me find his outs above average. Um, last season at shortstop, he was 11 outs above average. He's a very good defensive player. He just cannot hit the ball. Um, and if he can learn to hit the ball, then that will be very, very beneficial. Now, he is blocked by Gunner, most likely, um, because Gunner's going to come up and uh, – or is Gunner going to play – is Gunner play short or second? I thought so he short was third. It's short or third. short or third. Ramona Rios is at third, and then uh, Adam Frazier is at second. So, again, so it's a little questionable on how much playing time he will get, but I really like what he brings to the table – both defensively and if he can tweak and change and at least put a little pop behind his bat or at least get consistently on base then i think that jorge mateo will be a very very good player um i think my red flag about him is that he's already been in three organizations he was he was a prospect as an athletic then didn't really play well as a padre and he's come over to the orioles and he's played a good shortstop but he again hasn't he's his hitting woes have followed him um, and I, the, the issue is I don't see like a sign of that turning. Do you see something that I'm not seeing? I, I'm not saying, I'm saying if he can tweak that, right? Like he just needs, if he can find a way to tweak it, right? Cause he's already, cause coming into the league, he was an average fielder. 
and he's tweaked and he's now found a home in in Baltimore and has become a very very good defender. So what's what's saying he can't tweak his swing as well? Um, he did steal thirty five bases last year. So he's, at, yeah. he's a very there. he's a very quick defensive type of player. So his prospect report from twenty twenty when he graduated, uh, he's got a thirty five hit tool. Like that's what he was. He was never touted as like a good prospect for his hit. Uh, not much power, eighty grade speed. So elite, average fielding, average arm, forty future value. Yeah, I think something we see with him. I mean, obviously, I think there could be some recency bias because in, in the month of August, this guy was crazy. Um, I mean, not not necessarily crazy, but like eight sixteen OPS for a guy like Jorge Mateo was out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, June, not July. Yeah, I mean, th- there was some flashes here where we saw like, man, is he figuring it out? And I think he is figuring it out a little bit post All Star break, hitting slightly better than pre All Star break. So obviously we're seeing something there, but I wouldn't consider it enough life to to think that there's a, a huge breakout coming. But I, it's not a bad pick for me. I think if you have good if you have a good glove and you can steal 35 bags in a season, that's pretty pretty valuable. Even if you can't be the best hitter. Agreed. Tom, who do you have? I, I had a guy. I don't know. I, this guy just slipped under the crack. I think it's Wander Franco. He's never had a season over three WAR and he's never been an All Star. I'm sorry for picking him, but it's Wander Franco. And he that has not. Cheap. It feels cheap, doesn't it? But he's never been an all star, and he's never had a over three. Huh? I did it too. Yeah. It, it. I mean, if he fits the category, I mean, he is. I think people are starting to doubt him again. I mean, last season people would consider a down season just because of the injuries and everything. I wouldn't consider it a down season. I think his. I think he's still got all the tools he needs. He's going to come back next season healthy and probably play a full season. If we see a full season from him, he's going to make the all star team. I think his name is already out there. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he's playing the game or not. I mean, for reference, I think he's one of the first prospects ever to get an 80 future value grade for Fangraphs. He was like the next big thing. I mean, this is like, he, he still got the hype on him. And uh, the fact that he wasn't voted to an all-star team slightly puzzles me. But then again, it's backed up by the fact that he really has not played a full season in his career. Oh, yeah. He came up in 2021. Yeah. And so I was, think, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll see a full season. We'll be good. No, I was right there with you. I think the mean projection for him next year is like a 4.8 war. That's pretty impressive for a guy who's barely put in enough plate appearances. Um, like he has 153 career games. And in that 153 game sample, he's got a 121 WRC plus with a 4.7 F war. Like that's a quality season right there in itself. And I'll include that for his fielding, which is a little bit below average. But in 2021, he didn't have defensive stability. And this year when he did, although maybe injured, he did put up an out of above average. So I mean, keep in mind, he's 21 years old. He he is literally yeah. 21. I mean, he's got a whole career ahead of him. I mean, he came up extremely young too. Yeah. And yeah, you do mention that 153 game sample size. You could consider that a whole season. And this is this is an all-star season if you look at it. So it's like if you get if you get that production out of him next year, he's definitely going to be an all-star. Yeah. Uh, third base baseball. I, I like this guy and I I've defended this guy a million times and I keep talking about how his, his percentiles are a bit puzzling considering the high exit velocity, extremely good outs above average and the shockingly low barrel and expected Woba. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Ryan McMahon. It's Cabrian Hayes. And this is a guy who barely meets our threshold, our threshold at three war. Um, that war all comes from his defense. Um, never made the all-star team. Stev is just shaking his head. Just, I believe that Cabrian Hayes will have this hit tool come into play next year. He, we, we all know that it is 
that that when you when you look at his stats, you got average exit velocity and max exit velocity in the 85th and 89th percentiles, respectively. Cabrian Hayes is a guy uh, who went out last season and performed all, all uh, probably the best glove in baseball uh, at their respective position. I don't think uh, Arenado deserved it. Uh, and he also went out and stole 20 bags. And we see all the tools needed to be a star in baseball, and not just a star on the field and running, but also offensively he walks more than average strikes out right about league average he's got the tools to be a star um we talked about his launch angle i think that's his main problem right now and i think if he can fix that hit more line drives he's going to become one of the best hitters in baseball what do you guys think i i like cabrian hayes i think that we again we've talked about it multiple times the launch angle is a genuine issue for him he's peppering the ball into the ground he does pair it with like decent speed um and he is the best defensive third baseman in baseball and people need to start actually like he probably should have won the gold glove this year, but his name's not Nolan Arenado, and he loses a lot of points from that. Um, I think this could be a huge breakout once he figures out how to launch the ball. If I remember correctly, is 2020 he actually did launch the ball? Yeah, at 7.4 degrees, and although it was a small sample size, we saw how dominant he was there. Like a 367 woba or x woba, I think that would classify as a pretty good breakout. Yeah, 100. I was on the side of Ramon Arias. Uh, he won the gold glove for the Orioles at third base this year in the 90th percentile for outs above average. He put up seven outs above average there. Um, solid bat. It's a little bit above average in pretty much everything, which puts him at exactly uh, what you would define as an average ex-WOBA, um, even though it grades out as the 54th percentile. I think that if he gets a little bit of support from that lineup, Rushman continues to evolve. Henderson evolves. There's going to be a little less pressure on Arias, and he's going to be able to be more relaxed with his at-bats, and he's going to get more used to higher-pressure situations, which is only going to help him when he's in situations that don't matter as much. Yeah, I definitely like that pick. Um, I went a different route, though. I went with Christopher Morrell. Um, he's on the Cubs. What? Well, he I is he projected He's Sorry. projected to be their starting third baseman this year. Um, and with that whole, um, he did play. He did play a, a large majority of outfield. Um, he played fifty-seven uh, out of his one hundred and thirteen games in in center field last year. But with Bellinger, uh, who what is it? Bellinger, Hap, and Mancini. who's their right fielder, Mancini, um, and then a couple other guys. Like their outfield. Yeah, their outfield is is stacked, so he'll have a home now at third base. Um, defensively, he in fifty six attempts he had a negative three outs above average, which is not very good, right? But again, fifty six attempts he played eighteen games at third base last year. So if he can stay consistently at third base, I think he his average hitting and his below average defense will help him stay in the lineup day in and day out. And hopefully his defense will go from below average at negative three to at least average. And his hit tool, I think, will definitely uh, increase as well. I mean, his hit tool was actually really good last year. Like, he barreled the ball 13% of the time for the 91st percentile. Um, yeah. The only red flag there is the strikeout rate. It's really high. Like, really, really high. Like super and again, high. he's young, though, right? So yeah. he He's only 23. Yeah. yeah. So I he think has he's 5'11", 145 pounds. Yeah. That's Dev's. I think I think my biggest concern with Christopher Morel is you look at his pre versus post All Star splits. He kind of just stopped hitting after the All Star break. He was one of the better hitters in baseball for the first half of the season, but when he came back for the second half, it was not the same. 
Um, I'm not sure if that might just be coming on the scene hot and then forgetting that he's in the spotlight, or maybe he just had the yips at the end of the season. I'm curious how he comes back next year. Uh, obviously, at third base, you need a guy with a cannon, and he definitely has one. So I, I think he's got some tools to work with. I'm just a little concerned about his splits towards the end of the season. I mean, he's um, also young, right? You got to look yeah. at that. Yeah, it was also yeah. his monthly splits. It kind of looks like he played a lot of his – or he had a lot of his plate appearances before the All-Star break. And after – I don't know exactly if he was injured or something, but his average plate appearance per month just dropped significantly. Yes, does you know if he dealt with some injury? Because, I mean, that's – like not off the top of my head. I mean, that would, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, um, we're heading to the out- – I'm excited for the outfield in all honesty. Uh, I did not go position specific. I kind of just listed three outfielders. Um, and I we just mentioned the name. He's a Cub. He's an outfielder. And I have Seiya Suzuki. Uh, he came over last year. And as soon as he was on the radar, he was off the radar. Um, he was a well above average bat, whether people realized it or not. Uh, he hit the ball pretty well. Good quality of contact. It really seems like that vision tool that he had in Japan kind of went away. Uh, the defense did not grade out well, but his arm was still very good. Uh, he's fast. He doesn't chase the ball too much. He does whiff a good amount in the strike zone, which led to a higher strikeout percentage. But I think with having seen the uh, having seen MLB pitching for a year, he can start to progress a little bit more and more. And I think this season he begins to do that. I, I agree with you. I didn't have him on my list, but he was a minor mentions. I think this is a guy that, I mean, given the, the hype he had coming into the major leagues last year, might have been a little bit too much for him. I think now with that spotlight off of him, a big offseason from the Cubs too, I think it's going to be a lot easier for him to settle down. And you used you mentioned it, Brad. He still has all the tools he needs, um, walking a little bit less, but he's still got the hit tool. Um, and he'll be he'll be just fine out there. Um, I had um for left field, I guess we'll start in left field. I mean, I don't know, I may do it by position, but I have Brian De La Cruz. We talked it. about him before. Uh yeah, we talk about this guy all the time. He's incredible. He's going, he's going to be incredible. And somehow his expected stats exceed his regular stats, which are already crazy. So, and and this isn't limited limited at bats. Keep that in mind. But I still think this guy is going to be a freak of nature. He is a hitting machine. He hits for power, and he's going to start hitting for average too. I mean, he's expected expected batting average in the top four percent. I mean, this is this is going to be one of the elite bats in baseball. Not to mention he has a crazy good arm. And he has the uh, opportunity I, to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Like Brad and I, Brad and I were talking about it. I think it was on our on our update. We were talking about how just we don't understand what the Marlins are doing, but they do have a pretty good outfielder in Brian De La Cruz. He was my pick too. He just needs to work on his approach to the plate. But outside of that, he hits the crap out of the ball and he does a lot of things well. Yeah, I was I had Brian De La Cruz, but I don't want to say I had Brian De La Cruz. Um, so I had Matt Deerling, um, of now the Detroit Tigers. The dude hit the crap out of the ball last year. And no one recognized that he kind of was a bench option. People treated him as such. Uh, you go look at just his approach at the plate, and it's very veteran-like. Uh, it needs to improve in the walks a little bit, but he doesn't chase too much. He whiffs a respectable amount, and he's really, really quick. That's going to end up as he gets more experience in the outfield. He only he had, what, this year? He had just over 200 attempts in the outfield. As he gets more and more playing time in the outfield, He'll be able to track the ball better, and especially in a big outfield like America. His speed is going to come to great advantage. He has a really good arm, and it really looks like his ability to put bat on ball and hit the ball pretty hard is already present. If he can find some gaps and find some alleys in America, there's a breakout right there. 
Yeah, I mean, we look at the gaps between the expected and the regular. That is horrible. I mean, the expected batting average is like 40 higher, 35 higher or something, and the WOBA is 285 to 327. There's a lot of gaps here that we can see. Um, so he's just clearly not getting very lucky. I didn't I didn't know he was actually this good, um, but this is definitely a good piece to get back. Was this in the Gregory Soto trade? Yeah. 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 So I, this, is a, this is a guy with the potential to be very good. I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the arm strength. He's got the batting tool. Um, needs to learn to walk a little bit more, like you mentioned, but I think this guy has the potential, especially in like a rebuilding Tigers team. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, I honestly contemplated doing, uh, for third base, going with the other guy, Nick Maton. I debated going with him over Morrell, but I, I picked Morrell. Um, but I'll go over to center field now. Um, I went with Riley Green. I feel like that's not a unheard of pick to have kind of a breakout. He had a he had a decent rookie season. Um, ninety three games. He batted to two fifty three average and ninety eight WRC plus. Um, again, he's a good hitter. He's just trying to figure out the MLB landscape and MLB pitching. Right. Um, he's not going to do anything crazy, but I think, um, especially like we talked about earlier with Torkelson, with the the outfield gates coming closer, he'll definitely help him. Um, he's about an average defender, and he. Played about an average offense last year, too. So, Yeah, and that brings me into, I, I hope not a hot take in Anthony Santander. Um, I, he, I mean, he's a 30 home run season and somehow did not have a three war or yeah, above. Yeah, like, that, that's like kind of surprising to me. I guess his defense is just that horrendous. But um, that is to say, that isn't to say he's not a fantastic hitter. And he is one of the best switch hitting uh, players in baseball at this point and that in itself is valuable walks more than average strikes out less than average hits the ball hard consistently and I think his ex- expected batting average yeah his expected stats are actually better than his real stats so I, this is another guy on this list of players that should have positive regression and who are already succeeding with with that bad luck in general I mean yeah 33 home run season with a 773 OPS in a season where you didn't get that lucky this is uh, a no doubter for me I like that pick um honestly i just overlooked him and i was like man i probably he probably had a three war season given how many home runs he hit just producing all around the yard uh, i had nick gordon left fielder for the minnesota twins it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him to get some at bats this year but when he does get at bats uh the talent's there the defense is not um <laughs> not at all uh but he did outperform his woba by 12 points last year and it projected him to be a 333x woba he has no walk tool none but the bat-to-ball skills are there in terms of quality of contact. And I think just developing as a player, he's someone that could see a breakout. And I, I definitely thought he was going to be like a key trade piece. I think he would have made a lot more sense in the Pablo Lopez deal uh, going with Luis Arise, but here we are. Yeah, I think – hold on, Stez, you want to talk about him really quick? I got to pull the stats up. Nick Gordon? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with Brad's point that I feel like – Again, we talk about Miami all the time, but their landscape and their view of what the MLB is and what the MLB is going to be in the next five years, just I guess it doesn't sit with with us well. Um, They definitely needed to go out and get outfielders, and they did not do that this offseason. And if they went out and got a guy like like him, then I think they would have been a lot, a lot better or a lot more well off uh, this upcoming season. 
Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got some maturing to do, especially on that plate approach side of things. Strikes out a little bit more than you'd want him to, and does not walk. He refuses to walk. But I I think I think there's definitely potential. He's only 27. That's not crazy past the prime. I mean, that's probably in your prime. So I think I think the Twins have someone they someone they can work with here, and he's above average in sprint speed too. So I think he's a guy who can also stretch singles into doubles and doubles into triples. He, there's some value for him. Yeah. I think he was definitely a guy that was really hurt by the pandemic just because he wasn't able to play in the complex or anything like that in 2020. And that kind of hindered his progress there. That's why he's up so old at 27. This is only his third season. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, li- I like that pick overall. I think it was, I think it's solid. And I think he, he, if the things come together the way that he wants them to and the way the twins organization wants him to, then I think he'll definitely have a breakout season. All right, we got one more left. Uh, yeah. I got so okay. So I want to go. I want to go two different directions with with my right fielder. There was uh, there's a guy that Tom and I always talk about. It's Kyle Lewis. I really really wanted to pick him, but I decided not to because I really don't know how much playing time he's gonna get in Arizona. He's kind of blocked in every outfield position, um, especially in center field, which was his primary position uh, in Seattle before he got traded. Uh, they had Corbin Carroll there, and he is not going to play over Corbin Carroll. Uh, but I went with Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, he showed flashes throughout the entire last season. Um, in 91 games, he batted to a 296 average, 122 WRC+. Plus. Um, his percentiles are nothing really crazy. It's the crap out of the ball. Um, defense is about average um, to below average at best. Um, and But he showed the flashes in the postseason, and that's really what matters, right? So if he can do that consistently throughout um, an entire season. Maybe if he can play at least 120 games, then maybe we'll see those numbers shift in a more of an upward trend. I, I would be right there on the same page with you, but I do want to go with a different route. Uh, Kyle Lewis is not a bad pick um, whatsoever, but I'm going with Dylan Carlson, another young guy. Brad, you keep putting me on people, but um, <laughs> Dylan Carlson's very young. Um, his overall stats are kind of ruined by the fact that he had uh, a bit of a rough second half of the season. I think he was dealing with some injuries because there are significantly less plate appearances. But in his month of May and June, he was like, he, I, I thought he was breaking out. I thought this was the version of him we'd see. But even then, you're still getting one of the best gloves in baseball, uh, paired with some good speed out there in the outfield. I think he provides more defensive value, obviously. But I think the bat is coming along. Um, it's just a matter of whether he can show it next season. Yeah, I like Dylan Carlson. And he's been a highly touted prospect for a long time. And hopefully it's at some point it really does kick in because as we're going to talk about with a little bit in the Cardinals, they need a third bat. Um, and time to get into my favorite thing is pitching um, uh, where I have a plethora of random relievers in my brain. Uh, I'd like to start with relief pitching. And uh, do you guys want to go first? I mean, just a guy with every single under the hood stat that that just pops all star and is not an all star somehow is Andres Munoz. Um, I I mean he's clearly going to be good. Uh, there's another guy I have on my list, but I'm curious if you guys uh, write him down too. Uh, so I'll wait to talk about him. Um, well, I'll go next. I mean, this guy isn't like a unknown name. It's Brian Abreu. Um, but he did qualify in our uh in our categories that we set um he pitched to a 194 era and a 2.2.12 fip last year um all of his percentiles are red pretty much except for walk percentage um the guy's good 
I mean, if he's not an all-star this season, then I think there's something wrong. Um, I I really want him to be an all-star, and I think he definitely can be. The only the only problem with that is that he's on the Astros. I mean, there's so there's only so many players you can take from one team. That's the problem with that's him. Not true. I think you, it you is, could right? do you could do, no you could do the whole freaking Astros if you wanted to. Astros. There you are. You just, need, team. you just need yeah. you just need one from one from each team, and then to fill out the rest. Just you need 15 players, and then fill out the rest with Astros. You're good. My guy is Danny Jimenez of the Oakland Athletics. Um, what? So what? this guy had a this Oakland. guy only appeared. Yep, Oakland Athletics. That's right, folks. Uh, the guy has only thrown 35 and two thirds career innings pitched, and in that small sample size, he has a 12 a negative 12 run value on his slider. The slider is a ridiculous gyro spin pitch. It's got a, uh, it's 12 miles an hour slower than his fastball. It generates a ton of whiffs, and it's a great put away pitch for him. People whiff at it 47.6% of the time. It has a 196 expected woba against. Uh, his breakout needs to come from getting his fastball to actually move more, uh, which could be possible, especially just getting more experience in the major leagues, getting more used to throwing a fastball i think if he's working with the slider on the vertical plane or on the horizontal plane it might not hurt him to try and turn that fastball a little bit more sideways into more of like a sinking fastball or more of a two-seam fastball um he's threw a cutter like three times i'd be curious to see what that cutter actually looks like if he threw it again because when it was graded out it graded out really well in terms of above average but i think he kind of just messed up a four-seam fastball um but I really like that slider, and if it's utilized correctly, it'd be a great pitch that could be very beneficial to a bullpen, especially when this guy had a 281 expected ERA last year. That's not a bad pick. Obviously, that one came out of left field, so that's clearly not the guy I was talking about. But but I do like I do like Brad with the random pick. Um, my pick was Jason Adam of the Rays. I mean, this is just kind of a guy who almost had a three-war season as a relief pitcher. was a starting impressive in itself. Somehow did not make the all-star team. Um, I don't understand how that works, but um, this guy should be an all-star next season. Should be one of the better ones in the game. Obviously, Munoz and Adam are like two of the um, the best under the hood, the under the hood stats. Sorry, under the hood stats um, for relief pitchers. So the fact that they haven't been in all-star games is just a crime. That is fair. Um, Stavs, did you have another one? No, I didn't. I just knew you were gonna come out with some random guy that I was not expecting. But um, let's get one. it in. What's your other one? Dylan Tate of the Orioles. What in oh, the I world? I like Dylan Tate. I like Dylan Tate. That's oh, a so great let, me, let me see if I recognize this guy. You probably should. You uh, should. He was drafted as the fourth overall pick in twenty four in twenty fifteen by the Rangers. Uh, he never oh, really yeah, amounted to much as a starter. And this season, he put up a negative twenty one run value on his sinker. Uh, he threw a lot of innings for a reliever. He threw seventy two or seventy three and two thirds innings. He's not a great strikeout pitcher, but he was really effective. Uh, his expected ERA pretty much mirrors his actual ERA, and the quality of contact he produces was really good. When his expected WOBA based on the quality of contact, ex WOBACON, was uh, in the top percents of the league. Um, again, not a huge strikeout guy, but Dylan Tate can produce a lot of value, and he's a really effective reliever. And especially in the Orioles, uh, obviously you saw the development of that sinker. I wouldn't be shocked if it's paired with a much better slider. Uh, that pitch did not grade out well this year unless he starts deciding to throw his changeup a lot more, which would be quite the good pairing considering it's nine miles an hour slower. Nah, I definitely like that pick. Um, 
I, I I like Dylan Tate, and I like, and I think he's he's kind of gonna be what the Orioles need in the bullpen. And I think he's gonna play that role perfectly. Tom, you got anything else on on Dylan Tate? I mean, I'm just curious that the the Orioles just keep pulling random things out of their their hat of tricks, man. I mean, they're very good. They're very stacked. Um, and their development is something else. The fact, that, I mean, you, you can go year by year, look at his percentiles, and you can just see the minute. <laughs> The minute it hit 2022, all of his percentiles just jumped up a lot. Um, he's got the tools. Um, I think the most controversial one's going to be starting pitching just because I don't like my pick yet. I, I need to think for a sec. Brad, start us off with starting pitching because I don't know. Uh, Brad's going to pick Eric Lauer. I swear. Oh, I'm this not, guy. I, have, okay, I good, do good, have good. an NL Central pitcher, though. Okay. And his name is Nick Lodolo. Okay. Um, this guy is ridiculous. He came up last year and he did struggle a bit at first and everyone's like, Oh, why is this guy actually, you know, why, why is he not performing that? Well, this guy's such a highly touted prospect. Uh, first five or first one, two, three, four, five, six, eight outings. He had a career fourth 23 ERA. Uh, and he had a rough month of July and then August hit, and he had a two two fifty nine ERA and he finished the season by dropping his ERA from a 423 ERA all the way down to a 366 over the span of seven starts. He strikes out batters at a ridiculous rate. He strikes out 29.7% of all batters faced. He does walk a bit of batters, which does need to be worked on. Uh, I expect him to work on that. The fastball is a great pitch. It's arguably one of the best pitches in, in baseball. When it's effective, it's a completely horizontal. All of his movement for every pitch is well above average. His fastball is 102% above average in terms of movement. So it's double that and then some. Uh, it plays off of his sinker and his curveball, which is really a slider. Uh, it's tagged wrong. Uh, and this is Chris Sale 2.0 with a body to actually support throwing that. Yeah, I like that pick. I'm shocked you didn't go with Hunter Green. Um, I felt like that would have been a good Brad pick, but I went a different route. We talked about the Pablo Lopez trade earlier, and I went with Pablo Lopez. Um, he kind of had a down or kind of took a step back um, from 2020, from his 2021 season. Um, I like what he brings to the table, and I think a, a change in um, scenery is definitely going to help him. Um, I think overall his stuff is good, and he just he just needs to – play consistently on the field and i think he'll be i think he's what minnesota is missing in all honesty well that's a good segue because you know what minnesota's missing joe ryan yes. and pitches pitches that joe ryan does not throw that is not called a forcing fight they he needs to he needs to develop a slider or something some form of off-speed pitch but if he does we already know what's going to happen i mean a negative 21 run value on the four team is pretty crazy um, obviously in 2021 in a shorter season because he didn't play the whole season. Um, we did see a negative run value on the slider and the curveball. That's not very that's not saying too much because that sample size is not that big. Um, but I, I think Joe Ryan, given some development, some other pitch, he just needs a second pitch to go to. I mean, this is a guy whose fastball is so good that he really only needs one or two more pitches to be one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's got the tools. I mean, there's other guys we could talk about, Hunter Green, uh, obviously being one of them. Um, but I think Joe Ryan is just the best, uh, sleeper pick kind of for a breakout next season. That's fair. I like Joe Ryan. Uh, I've always liked him. I really enjoy the deceptively fast fastball. Uh, got the rising tendency cause he's got a low arm slot, good vertical approach angle. Uh, there's just no off speed there. And when he faced my Dodgers, he paid for it. Um, 
I have another one. Okay. I have Mitch Keller. Um, I thought this guy was a failed prospect. He was a failed prospect, and he ended up in the middle, if I remember this correctly, he ended up in the bullpen for part of the season, and he just basically reinvented himself. His fastball always can spin really well, but it was just it was so straight. It just wasn't good. Uh, he stopped throwing his changeup because it was a bad pitch, and he pretty much went to sinker like 30% of the time, fastball 30% of the time, slider 30% of the time, and he became an incredibly effective pitcher. Uh, if you want to look at his game logs, Tom's, uh, Tom, I know you love doing that. In the month of yeah. September, he went over, he threw five outings and posted a 1 8 ERA. Uh, for the last three months of the season, oh he was a top 10 pitcher in the National League. Um, there's quality there. The strikeouts did drop a little bit, but you know what? The quality got better. And this guy's been working with Tread. He's been working with Driveline. So he's gone out of the Pirates organization to improve himself, and it's worked. I, I like that for, for a pick here. I mean, I feel like everyone looks past this guy. I mean, I was watching him. Are there two Keller brothers? Are they brothers? Or are they no? Brad Keller is not related to Mitch Keller. God. Well, okay. Well, I, I do like this guy. I've been watching him for a while. Both Kellers, even though they're not related. Um, I think there's nowhere to go but up at this point because obviously 2022 was the best season he's had. But before that, we didn't see much going on for him. We saw, in fact, a pitcher that probably wasn't going to last that long in the MLB. He's gotten a lot better. I expect him. I expect him to be very good next year. Brad, I want to talk about Hunter Green and what you what you wanted to what what you need him to improve on to become a better pitcher next season. Uh he's got to improve the shape of his fastball. His fastball was too straight. Uh and that made it incredibly susceptible uh to getting pounded. Uh we saw the breakout when he fixed it. Like when he was right after he came back from injury, he was ridiculous and a pitcher that throws 100 miles an hour on average should be that good. Like yeah. he's got a good slider. I would like him to throw the change up a little bit more. I think it would really benefit him, but he doesn't really need to. It's like he could pitch like DeGrom, but not with DeGrom's control. Um, yeah. Sorry. You got, you got a power pitcher. I mean, the power pitchers, when power pitchers discover a change up, it's pretty dangerous. You know, I think, I think if he can really develop like an off speed too, to kind mm -hmm. of pair with that fastball, cause I mean, yeah. he's a fastball pitcher, but if you can develop something like that, that's like a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, it's that, and also I think that his issue was he wasn't really getting chases outside of the zone. Uh, he would get a little bit above the zone and from his forcing fastball, but there wasn't much from the slider or the changeup. If you could, A, work the fastball at the bottom of the zone a little bit more because it's going to be a bit of a rising fastball, uh, people are going to think, oh, that pitch is below the zone, and oh, it's actually in the bottom of the zone, uh, that rising effect. And you could get swings and misses on the slider and the changeup at the bottom of the zone if he's able to establish that fastball early in counts. Um, that's why I think the changeup would really be beneficial as a pitch to left-handed hitters. Uh, I'm going to pull up the split right now. Versus left-handed hitters, he actually let up less home runs than he did versus right-handed hitters. I don't have the exact uh, numbers, the slash line against him, but I would assume that he was not striking out as many batters just simply because um, – or as many batters versus right-handed hitters just because of the lack of effectiveness of the changeup running into righties. Yeah, I didn't realize I didn't realize he had such a good second half of the season. I mean, analyzing pitches on baseball savant is a little bit different for me. Um, but <laughs> that second half is is pretty crazy. I think I think he'll come into the season and be good. I don't think we have to worry about him warming up. I think the thing with him is he he got locked. He was locked. And if you take that away from him, 
I think it's going to take a little bit to get there, but I could see a solid 200 strikeout campaign from him this year. All right, Stavs, you got anything else? No, I'm I'm good. All right. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. Hey, if you're in a fantasy league, you want to make some little predictions right before then, I think you should listen to this episode, take those guys, and throw them into a fantasy roster, take a little bet on underdog fantasy, something that you like because these guys have potential to break out, and we think they will. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We'll be back later this week, hopping into your feed with another episode. If you want to interact with us at all, all social medias will be in the description below. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review. Share this with a friend. We'll see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace.